0: to the OK's Fisher Podcast, part of the OK's Podcast Network, featuring your hosts, Matt Strime and Greg Tubbs.
1: Hey there, welcome back to the OK's Fisher Podcast, coming at you live from the same old place, pretty much doing the same old thing, not doing a lot of fishing lately. How are we doing, Matt? We're here,
0: not doing a lot of fishing, putting a lot of gear away. I uh, haven't pulled much out yet, though.
1: No. And I've been uh, just prepping away, getting ready for my ocean trip, uh, headed to Florida here shortly. Jealous? Yeah. I'm uh, looking forward to some sunshine and chasing some fish in salt water. That's going to be a blast. Oh, for sure. So today we have a special guest, um, special to me because I've known Scott off for, I don't know, since we were in middle school, I would say, sixth, seventh grade. So, Scott's—I've uh, always looked up to him as a, a really good walleye fisherman. Even when we were kids, uh, this is a kid that uh, or a guy that that we used to wander the banks of the Rock River, and, and I'd watch him catch more uh, more walleyes than anybody else I knew. How are we doing, Scott? Great, great, great to be here. Thanks for uh, thanks for being on here with us. So, what can you tell us about uh, about yourself? I mean. Give us a little backstory of who you are.
2: You're saying my dad got me into it as early addiction when I was as young as you can remember. I was failing behind throwing huge fits when I wasn't included to go along with the fishing trips with dad when I was five, his friends. They just escalated on through the years to progressively getting into tournament fishing and guided for a while. And then I had my daughter and, you know, it just wasn't going to jive having both of those. I chose obviously time with my daughter over guiding and still doing the tournaments. And of course, fun fishing, every chance I could possibly get.
1: Yeah, man. I I think every time I'm, I, I see you on Facebook, you're either catching crappies through the ice, big catfish, walleye fishing in the spring. Uh, you'll post some of your tournament results. Um, you'll, you'll even enjoy some pike fishing and, and, all sorts of things. Anything in water, I think.
2: Exactly. If it swims, I want to catch
1: it. Same here. That's kinda of how we are. <laughs> <laughs> so guiding. I, I'm kinda of interested about that. I, I knew you guided, but I didn't I guess I it probably wasn't a, a real long career for you, was it? Because you like you said you had your daughter.
2: Yeah, I guided uh from two thousand thirteen to two thousand eighteen and just the time away from my daughter, then with my full-time job and scheduling stuff on the weekends, well, that was my time to do stuff. And and I love meeting all these new people and teaching them stuff, but in the same time, it's hurting me as an angler trying to go out and keep trying to learn new bites, new techniques day after day. And I'm more worried about their success. Again, it was a blast. Everybody that I got to meet and met great friendships throughout this thing, but just it was a choice and chose family.
1: Um, no and i I think that's the smart way to go, man, because you want to be there for your kid hundred percent so you you've been doing some tournament fishing for for all that duration, and i mean what's your what's your biggest success in tournament fishing?
2: you were your, cutting all three.
1: oh what what was your biggest uh i guess your biggest accolade in in tournament fishing like what's the biggest tournament that you've done really well in
2: uh for a team event i guess that would there's so many i mean the masters walleye circuit up there we won that one in surgeon bay and that was that was huge at the time I and mean, that was at that time the biggest event i've ever fished with a partner and then a couple of years back the National Walleye Tour came to uh, Green Bay, and I went out and I did great the first day. And actually, had a camera guy jump in a boat for the second day. And of course, I bombed the second day, but just <laughs> to have that experience was was second and none.
1: Yeah, and like you have a lot of confidence in your ability to go catch walleyes. Um, I've I've managed to get into a couple of small tournaments and it seemed a bit intimidating to me because I'm literally okay at fishing. And I don't know. I thought it actually helped accelerate my learning curve a little bit just because you're kind of under that pressure. What do you, what do you think about it?
2: Absolutely. The amount of information I've learned the knowledge through tournament fishing, I wouldn't be half, half the person I am today with my fishing experience just Forces you to learn new techniques on different bodies of water and progressively get better and better. And when I first started tournament fishing, I was the same way. I'm looking at all these guides, these professionals, you know. So, so how are you going to compete against them? And it's actually amazing that Joe Schmoll can get in these things. And any given day, you can be the best of the best. And I encourage everybody. I mean, you got a comp- competitive nature. Jump in these things, have some fun with it, and,
1: and just enjoy it absolutely so out of all the tournaments what do you think was your best technique for for having success
2: um digging as of late i think uh i have a turn out look for a second 2014 when we on green bay i watched we actually watched al linder the Linder fishing program that winter and we're watching them learn you know jigging these jigging wraps open water you're Like, okay, you know, I love jigging. We're always growing up on Green Bay. You had to troll, troll, troll to catch all these, these late fall, summer fish. Over through my, at the time, my partner Cameron Lewis and I, he had them going trolling. Cold front came through, they stopped biting. Like, oh, I'm gonna throw jigging rap out. First cast, walleye. Second cast, walleye. I believe that day I went 17 casts in a row, of 17 fish. Wow. And that was the day before the event, we're like, what's just going to happen here? And then we went out and just, I mean, guys saw we were cheating. We blew the field out of the water by 30 some pounds. Holy cow. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that was when everything started clicking for jigging and I'll been taking it year after year, learning new bites. Like last year I went out and I pushed myself to learn a technique, a new technique every year. Last year was the jig spoons, the big spoons and the uh, death jigs. And, Great, great bites doing it both ways, and it's it's a lot of fun learning learning these new things.
1: Sure. So jigging, jigging by far, like we've all grown up throwing jigs, dragging jigs, um, slow trolling jigs with the current. But jigging by far is probably most productive uh, to catch fish when you can't get them. You can't get them trolling. You know, would you cast a crankbait or would you jig? Yeah. Definitely jig. So, I would, no. yeah. So you mentioned jigging spoons. What's a what's your favorite jigging spoon? I've only
2: played with a couple. Um, one was a Kalins or Castmaster, excuse me, and the other one was a big spoon. And Binks by far have been doing the best salmon fishing this fall and fishing all last summer out on Green Bay. I played with them a little bit on. The Madison Lakes had a little bit success with them, but still a well, learning to my, my end to get the right cadence for these things.
1: Sure. So is it something where you just drop it to the bottom, almost like we would perch fishing and just kind of dance it in the mud or off the bottom, or is it a quick hop, or is it something you really just play with every different outing?
2: Well, now it's cheating because I use a live scope so I can purposely target these schools of fish, <laughs> cast, and then jigging it and watching it fall and then seeing how these fish react. And what I've learned with live scope in a couple of years is what I could have learned in 30 years without it. That's, so I mean, it's, it's all, everything I'm doing on the bay is always really hard, short rips, like six inches to a foot, real hard rips. And you just watch all these fish react and you'll see a whole pot of fish just come after it.
1: Well, you know what they say, if you're not scoping, you're just hoping.
2: <laughs> right <laughs> at the same time with live school i've seen that hurt more people than it helps i mean after a while you can start understanding what species of fish make these certain marks But the same entire schools of 30 40 fish sink to the bottom and you don't even know they exist but you there and you literally sit there and wait and wait and five ten minutes goes by and they rise right up where you just last saw them like they they never existed wow so guys who are simply hunting these fish with live scope are missing a lot of fish. I'll use it while I'm fan casting and I see a school, then I will target those. Otherwise, I'm still flying fishing.
1: Okay. So what would be your next next favorite bait? I mean, I don't know if you necessarily said that the spoon was your favorite bait, but what would be another bait that you would love using uh, for jigging walleyes?
2: Probably even for around here and then carried over into the bay in the springtime, strictly, would be the hair jig. The uh, purple hair jig, you cannot go wrong with that thing. Around here, like today, for instance, I was using a purple and white hair jig down at Fort and attach a fly to that. Green Bay, I won't attach a fly, but I mean, it's such an easy technique that I was able to teach a little kid today. And he had a blast catching them. Then Green Bay, the same thing. It's up there. It's making a goby here I think it's mimicking the sheephead that they're eating.
1: I would agree with that. We have a lot of sheep in the the river systems around here and that's kind of the colors that they are. If you pick one up and hold it in the sunlight it gets that prismatic purple blue with a chrome or white uh, color to it. So yeah and I don't know man I don't know about you but purple seems to be like a lights out color for walleye no matter where you go.
2: Yeah it's a hard time to get me to put any other color on when I'm fishing, whether it's dirty water, clear water, it's a purple or it's plastic, it's a gray, black, gray color. It's just that darker, instead of these bright colors, it's the way to go.
1: Yeah, and I remember like when we were kids, it was like you had to have orange and yellow or a green and yellow head on all the time, and little did we know we could have done <laughs> just as much good with something natural looking, no matter what color the water was. <laughs> exactly very cool well oh.
2: otherwise yeah my other thing like like today you know this time of year, if i'm out in a boat watching these guys with these boats you know and they're drifting they're catching fish but i probably haven't put a minnow on in probably 15 20 years and it's kai tech is my plastic of use them or not but something to do with that squid that's impregnating these baits i have just literally played with fish and let them hit and just let them somewhere out there for 10, 15 seconds. They don't, they don't spit this damn thing out.
0: Yeah.
1: I my mean, bait. I can honestly attest to the Kytec, uh, swimming impact. The, the four is uh, on a purple jig head up in the Bay has accounted for my biggest fish. Yep, There we are. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> um small mouth magic and uh there's another one it's like a natural shiner color but those are those are pretty killer
2: yeah you can't go wrong with smallmouth magic summer time when i'm walking a river doing like we used to do as kids pitching around it's that's my color Smallmouth magic
1: yep that's a that's a sweet color in fact i'm bringing some with uh to the ocean we'll see uh how many bluefish bite the tails off of them <laughs> right
0: <laughs> so, so I, I got a question I don't I don't do a lot of walleye fishing uh, especially in the spring <clears throat> when you're fishing you see 150 boats out in a small stretch of river are they actually targeting certain structure down below or is it just get to a spot and hold your spot and catch them running up or what are you looking for when like this time of year
2: I think it kind of like the circus that you've probably seen at the pier where it's just boat after boat after boat. And for the most part, these guys are down the channel and a lot of guys are just drifting and they're catching the fish that are migrating following that river channel up. And then you'll have the few guys that are out on the flats. And typically the biggest fish are laying on these flats. And then you'll have the same situation. You're talking about experience like up in Fremont and half of those boats will be anchored and they're sitting there pumping jigs and flies and they're waiting for those schools versus going back and forth and back and forth. Okay. So, thinking what's going on. So, what do you... I'll just go up the river with side fish, spot lock, cast, catch them, move on to school, and, again, let the electronics do all the work
0: for you. Yeah, so, yeah, so you're, you're hunting them down. You're not waiting for them to come to you?
2: No, I even... No, I... Uh, I even uh, a week ago, I the waters out in Jefferson. I'm like, well, oh, watch this. I took my live scope down, and stuck it over the wall, pan it around. I'm like, oh, there the walleys are. Cast, let's know they're there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: So yeah, yeah, it's it's. I will never argue that anybody it is a cheating tool, and I wouldn't mind seeing some event make it fair. Go back to learning, learn the old way.
1: Yeah, I well, mean if it's a lot of people use it. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people do use it, but are they using it right? You know, I mean, you exactly. can have, you can have the best of everything in the world and if you don't know how to use it right, I mean, we see it all the time. We go out fishing, there's that one old timer in the boat with it doesn't look like he's got any electronics on that boat. He's just out there with a regular outboard and an anchor and he just anchors up in one spot because he knows the spot and he knows on what wind, where he should be fishing at that hump out in the middle of the lake, and he's whacking all the bluegills, and, all the, and they're all big ones, and nobody can figure out why. It's just you know, you you learn you learn certain bodies of water, you learn how to how to fish it, and you don't always necessarily need the electronics, but they sure make the uh, the job a lot a lot easier and make you more efficient as a fisherman if you know what you're
0: doing with it. They shorten yeah. the they shorten the learning curve. Yep. It's, I mean, you still got to catch the fish. You still got to know how to fish. They're not going to jump in your boat because you got live scope, but definitely shortens the curve.
2: And and that that's another know, guys is it's shorten the curve is you know finding them. Are they going to understand why those fish were located there for that reason that time, and that's what a lot of these guys are just going for the easy pass. Like oh, I'm going to drop three grand find us find the fish, but instead of Wanting to know why they're there, and take that to the next body of water. This is what drives me nuts when I know a guy's catching fish somewhere. I don't specifically want to know a secret base or secret. I just want to understand why they're there, and figure it out in my own head so I can take that and run with it, and go somewhere else.
0: You do a lot of that in tournament fishing too. You use a lot of that same knowledge on different bodies of water when you travel around for tournament fishing.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing how much. The same stuff will work on each different body of water, and and just it's so. It's, I know I should be writing down a lot of this, but it's it's up in the head rattling around, and it's, it's amazing how much I probably forgot. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, when I go, I show up to Green Bay. It's it's the hair jig, it's the rip and wrap in the springtime, and it's a jig and Rapal, a jig and wrap, or a blade bait. Those are my three go-to baits in the the spring on Green Bay. You go to Winnebago, and now you're talking, like, golf and the Wolf River again, hair jig and jigging a crawler. Let's get no minnow. And then around here, it's the hair jig fly, and the plastic, basically, just different size of a a jig, and that's pretty much all a guy needs.
1: Nice. Yeah, I think, uh, I can't think of the last time I walleye fished with minnows either. It's always either pulling plastics or a hair jig or trying to troll them with, you know, with stick baits. And I, I, for some reason, I still have way better luck either on a hair jig or a jigging plastic. Don't right. know why. It's just the way it is. But yeah. like you said. And then, moving another
2: to- really fun bite. I don't know if you've you've done it. I know you've done really good at Fortnite and at one event that you fished that you
0: or yeah.
1: some
2: big fish. But that same time of year, my favorite thing is pulling three ways with a tiny little spinner and a sold death hook and a half a crawler. And we'll pull them right up and down that stretch through the holes. And it's all big fish that you catch. It's, it's a great big fish bait.
1: Yeah.
2: But that a we'll post-spawn run.
1: Yeah. And I I think that was kind of a, a kept secret for a little while, for a very short while. while but that post-spawn bite was pretty hot. And it was amazing how many big fish were in there and it was really eye opening to to realize that okay our fishery is actually doing not too bad and then by putting the regulations on there not to sidetrack too much but the regulations are helping that fishery in particular by knocking it down to a three fish limit and i think we're allowed three at 18 or bigger now right
2: yeah we're seeing a lot of a lot of nicer fish I don't know if the 3-18, my own personal belief, I don't know if it's the right. I like the 3. I wouldn't even mind if it was 2. Yeah. But I don't know if you where what's right and what's wrong with guys keeping 15-18 or over 18. That's where I'm not a fish biologist, but I just know those 15-18s are awful tasty.
1: Yeah, they certainly are. <laughs> <laughs> Coming from a guy who loves to eat his perch. <laughs> well, I think we covered uh, baits and some presentations pretty well, but, you know, everybody looks at it. they got a pile of rods in their basement. I know I do. Um, you know, say you're, you're casting from the river. What What's the length of rod and type of action? And, you know, go give us a little meat and potatoes on, like, rod and reel combo and how you like to set it up with the line and all that.
2: All right, like uh, for the hair jigs, it's a heavier bait. My hair jigs I use exclusively are half-ounce, whether I'm in 5 feet of water or 30 feet of water, just different cadences. But that's uh, medium action, 7-foot. I use pretty much all Abby Garcia or Jalumas rods. So you want a stiffer rod for snapping that, just like a jig and wrap or a rip and wrap. Um, I start playing around with the plastics. I'll use a 6-foot rod, six six medium medium light something with a softer tip is then i'm going down to lightest it's a 16th ounce and just flipping around in eddies and stuff and get way better feeling and fight those fish a lot better because yeah way smaller hook and, and whatnot and and then the last few years i've been using nothing but uh nanofill berkeley nanofill or now i've been using fireline um all 10 pound tests bright colored fireline see it better run a fluorocarbon leader usually eight to ten feet but if you try to use that snapping technique on a mono or fluorocarbon you're going to get you're never going to get that action that you want without having to do some poles, and it's still not going to be that snapping and uh otherwise when i'm using these smaller jigs like the eighth ounce, 16th my little pitching jigs that that i still have mono on i don't it just seems like i can when I set the hook, I'm not ripping hooks out of their m- whatnot.
1: Yeah, you got you got just enough of a shock absorber with that mono stretch, but just enough to set that hook into them. Yes, very cool. And that's what you would choose for shore fish. And now, if you're in the boat, you're probably maybe using the same or different weapons.
2: In the boat, I'm yeah, it's pretty much much identical. Except in the boat, it's almost all super line. It's all going to be fire line. And the only thing that's going to change is if I'm on Winnipeg or lakes around here, I'm using eight pound tests or 10 pound tests, floral leaders, depending on if I'm jigging or I'm casting crankbaits. And then on the bay, 15 pounds straight across just because of the zebra muscles and the bigger fish, obviously.
1: Yeah. It's, it's funny. The zebra mussels are even, you know, ocean fishing. I can throw that, that in there too. like, Certain braids, you run that across a sandbar or any kind of area that's got a lot of zebra mussels, it's it's gone just like that. So having having that little extra leader is is very important because it it takes the abrasions a little better than than braid does. Yes. Yep. Cool. Well, what's your favorite way to cook walleyes?
2: Uh, That's... That's for debate between me, the child, and the wife. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I absolutely love baked walleyes in the oven. Throw them in a glass tray. Put a little larry seasoning. And that's it. Stick them in the oven, 350 for 21, 22 minutes. Butter on it. Great. Um, I believe my daughter's favorite is cornflake crumbs. Kellogg cornflake crumbs. Dip them in the egg. Dip them in the cornflake crumbs. I love that as well, and Tiff is deep-fried, deep-fried in a mix of Zataran Fry Magic, again, Laurie's Seed, C- and a little bit of Short Lunch Cajun seasoning. Kind of wow. mix them all together, and It's good.
1: Yeah. I just did uh, pan-fried the last of my fillets out of the freezer. Um, I did uh, flour, then the egg wash, and then from the egg wash into the crispy panko, and that I threw some Italian seasoning in with some lorry seasoned salt and some black pepper, and then into the grease, slow release into the grease.
2: Right, and in the end, all that matters is does your dog like it? (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Dog likes everything. (laughs) Right. Great, man. Well, you said you were down river fishing. And you were uh, you were teaching a, a little kid how to use the fly and and the, the the jig together. Now, can you share with us a little bit about how you tie that rig? Yeah, I, regular a
2: small, the small soft uh, two way swivel, not a three way, two way. Seems like it cuts through the water better. And then I'll do about a uh, a dropper for the jig, never longer than twelve inches, a ten to twelve inch dropper, and then uh the lead back to the fly. That can range. It can be I tried not to hang it in three feet, but you can make as long as you want that you can still cast it with. Mine are typically that four foot range, and uh, again, I've played with so many different fly colors. And honestly, if you just went out and wanted to buy one or two flies, get the purple flies, and that's going to work all the time. And so we just you throw it out there. They hit the bottom. There's a couple different cases that seem to be working. No quick little tiny, like two inch rip. It just gives that fly a little bit of a jerky motion. Just let the current work it around. And that's what was working today. And that was the easiest for the child to get them on. When you really have to be sensitive with the bottom and your line and just get a little pop and kind of lift it up and feel it gliding over the rocks and then set it down. It's kind of what I would do in the boat with a jig, just holding it above the bottom and letting it sweep around. and. What I found typically is probably ninety percent of your bigger fish are going to actually come on that hair jig, and that's pencil weight. My biggest fish come on that hair jig, versus most of the action comes on that fly.
1: Sure. Smaller fish are quicker to move, and they get up and grab that smaller fly, and the bigger fish stay pinned to the bottom. And if you bounce it off their nose, they they bite that hair jig.
2: Yes, of course you're going to at least have fish here. There's going to get that. It's always a blast when you got two baits because numerous times when the last times I got to take my dad fish a double. He had a twenty incher on the hair jig and he had like a seventeen incher on the fly.
1: That's pretty sweet. Right? You're you're uh, you're all the way to dinner then.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, at that time it was. It was at five of (laughs) fifteen.
1: Cool man. So when's your first tournament this year?
2: It's actually uh, Saturday. It's going to be the Swamp Donkey. So I'm leaving. Luckily, I have a good friend that has his long tiller. He lives up in the condo, and we're going to use his boat, so I get to leave my baby still in the garage, away from the salt and all the (laughs) elements. And then the very following day, on Sunday, we have the Green Bay Wally Series one on the same thing, same body. I believe all the launches are frozen up and down the bay. So we can't go out of a con or where we would like to go. So we're restricted back to the pier. And last time we fished that, and we did good with doing the same thing, just drifting down the middle of the channel, dragging quarter-ounce jigs and plastic and just hold them. The less you move it, the better those baits are. Just hold them in hand, and they whack the crap out of them.
1: What's the water temperature at usually up there this time of year when you're doing these tournaments? I mean, I know it can vary because this year is kind of a lingering cold, and years past it's been warm up, you know, much quicker.
2: Yeah, typically a normal year, that water temperature is probably around at 40 degrees. This year I believe it's right around at 38, 39 up there. Um, I've been watching every day. There's guys that you, you will pay attention to guys that troll at night because they're the guys that are getting the pigs right now, flat. And every night I'm seeing big ones, so it's telling you that these fish are finally pushing into that river, making their big push up to the dam. And the next week, I think with this warm weather, that week and the following week should be probably your best time to be up to the pier if you want to shot at a shoe giant.
1: What's the biggest one you hauled out of that, that body of water, do you think?
2: I've got... A 32 through the ice. No um, 14 pounds. I actually called Dale Strohshine because I, I knew I had his ice fishing record beat. And we went to a Festival Foods. I kept that one, put it on a scale, came out it right at 14 pounds. All the IGFA record book. Turns out somebody had an 18-pounder up in Canada that same. so I'm like, okay, whatever. And then I've caught two other ones out of the bay that have been through both release and one was trolling um crawler harnesses and the other one was uh on a rip and wrap
1: wow. and then
2: get to erie, erie really counts but i had back when we were in high school i had a 33 and inch out of erie
1: that's a big walleye no matter where you go but that's an, <laughs> yeah. that's an awesome erie walleye that's what everybody goes to erie for
2: right it's it's magic you go out there and If the guy could get them easier to jig, you'd really be in heaven, but it's primarily, I mean, that's why PJ guides out there, you can troll, 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 and put out the boards, and your five, six-guy limit, honestly, it's it's heaven. Then you come back here, and you got to work for these things again.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you get a little spoiled going to Erie. Right. (laughs) And now I know why PJ's there.
2: (laughs) Exactly. Definitely Jones.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Cool, man. And then... It comes with, like, boat rides, like for Green
2: Bay when we're doing our events. I mean, the last two years have just been crazy boat rides. seems like every year you're pushing your boat harder and harder to get away from the people and try to find that next bite. Like, last year, we were doing 60-mile boat rides. I mean, I'm doing boat rides like that 15 When I had my 17-footer getting in it, now here I am with this thing, and it's just – when it's dead calm you're literally like this just throws and all fall and see behind the wheels you're like what are we gonna get there here we are again are we almost there
1: it doesn't matter how much horsepower you got it's still a long ride when you're anticipating that spot exactly
0: <laughs> <laughs> so what what's your favorite season to fish for walleye i know we're talking spring stuff now but if you had one season to fish for walleye strictly what would it be
2: Oh, that's tough. It's going to be on, it's going to be in waters. It's got to be fall just because there's way less people. The fish are, I get them the same size I do in May and June, but I can target them better in open water. These things are going to be in 32s. We've them as deep as 80 feet of water suspended 30 feet down, but I can target them with my live scope versus in the springtime, when they're scattered in the rocks, and more scattered out, and there's a lot more pressure, and it's just it's not near as relaxing as what it could be. And with that new that new jig that Isaac Lackish promotes all the time, the death jig, where you can just cast it out with a half a crawler on, you're reeling it back, and just, it's like a video game, you just watch the fish come behind it, just like you've seen salmon videos on the wolf camera, just following it, and I'll say, boom, one just breaks out hammers it game on it's just that's why i love starting late july through september up in uh, door county second and on
0: that's awesome
1: well and and door county is it's our state's mecca for any any kind of fish you want to catch i mean you go to the lakeside big big king salmon i've had some big king salmon on there um big smallmouths all around the door all the little bays and stuff. I mean, there's places that people don't even think to fish and there's fish there. Perch, walleye, everything. It's all there. So that's uh that's a fishery. I'd love to get into fishing more often.
2: Like I said, it's always there for you guys. It's the last year we started playing around more. We went up to the walleye fish. And then like you said, we got onto the smallies and we're like, well, catching four or five pound smallies, that's a lot of fun. Well, then we're playing around in the harbor like where all these fish in the canal drop they're off 12, 13 inch perch. It's you don't there's not enough time in a day if you want to target everything in that, that system.
1: Yeah. It's a multi species angler's dream.
0: And it's a big musky up there too. A lot of people overlook. So well
2: biggest musky biggest musky I ever had on my life was up in that shipping canal. Messing around for perch from shore, filling it up. It stopped. I start reeling up some more, you know, fighting. Like, okay, obviously, I got a big fish out. Here comes a big smallie, like a 20-inch smallie. It's a great big smallie. Up below that smallie down below is this huge shadow coming up at it. I'm like, oh, what is this? I let the line out. Smallie goes down. Now I can't move the smallie. It comes up. <laughs> and you look at it. him like, holy <laughs> F-ball system. <laughs> and took a run, snapped the line. I couldn't even tell you how big it was it was just to eat a 20 inch small just gone it was it was
1: a big fish
0: oh that's crazy
1: <laughs> that's awesome well great i mean we could probably keep chit-chatting and and just i don't know we could go all sorts of different directions but i think uh we covered walleye just jigging and and you giving a lot of information already so i think we'd like to have you back on again in the very near future to talk some more. I think maybe we have you on in summer checking in and just seeing how you're doing and how things are. But, uh, for now, I, uh, I, I think we'll kind of bring the plane in for a landing. Do you have an old Fisher moment that you'd like to share from anything recent or maybe something from our childhood that you'd like to share? Oh.
2: I guess the most embarrassing thing or scariest thing would be, I guess, when I was a kid with the uh, waiters down at the old senior center. Damn, you know, you know very well. Oh yeah, <laughs> stepping on the edge of the rocks, and Dad's like, "Oh, you're fine, you're fine. Go ahead, and take another step out there." It's like, "He knew, gone, just gone." Let me tell you, trying to get waiters off water. I mean, I'm short to begin with, obviously, but
1: <laughs> I, I, I was wasn't gonna, told I was gonna hint at that, but I wasn't gonna go there. <laughs>
0: too too
2: hard. high for some normal people but it was over my kidding Dad's crying. I mean, it was a good time and the other thing i can let everybody know is if you're in a boat with me and there's a bee coming at me get the get out of the way i will i've swatted my grandma upside the head with a rod tip it was like the emotions just swinging and swinging and swinging and that damn bee is dead
1: <laughs> oh he's got a little bee phobia Love it. You. <laughs> well, Scott, thanks for joining us on this episode. We totally appreciate it and all the knowledge and information you've given. Uh, we're going to send her off here. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks a lot. See, guys.
0: You, ne- see you next time. Bye. <laughs>
2: Good to go.